It always it comes down to free will, right? Because God is not going to take our free will away. Um, I, I don't know about you guys, but every day I'm faced with situations where I have choices to make. And I can make choices to either decide to follow what the Lord wants me to do, or I can follow what my flesh wants to do, you know. And uh, so that's kind of what we're going to talk about, too. So, yeah, if you got your Bibles, if you guys will turn to... Uh, Luke chapter 11. You know, in several places in the New Testament, it talks about our bodies being like houses, like being in, in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 9, it says, we're God's fellow workers, you're God's field, God's building. Uh, in other places, it says we're temples of the Holy Spirit and, and things of that nature. So God uses several times throughout Scripture, He uses our bodies and speaks of them as being houses or, or dwelling places and things. And so in Luke chapter 11, verse 14, it says, And he, Jesus, was casting out a demon, and it was mute. And when the demon had gone out of the man, the mute man spoke, and the crowds were amazed. But some of the Pharisees said, He casts out demons by Beelzebul, the ruler of demons. And says, Others to test him were demanding of him a sign from heaven, but he knew their thoughts and said to him, Listen to what Jesus says, Any kingdom divided against itself is laid waste, and a house divided against itself falls. What does it say in James? A double-blinded man um, is unstable in all his, his ways, right? And so... Um, Continuing, he says, If I by Beelzebul cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? So they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Look at this in verse 21. He says, When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are undisturbed. But when someone stronger than he attacks him and overpowers him, he takes away from him all his armor on which he had relied and distributes his plunder. Look at verse 24. When the unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places seeking rest and not finding any. It says, I will return to my house from which I came. And when it comes, in verse 25 it says, when it comes, it finds it swept and put in order. Okay, so what Jesus is talking about in verse 21, when he's talking about when a strong man fully armed guards his own house, his possessions are, are undisturbed. But when someone stronger than he attacks him and overpowers him, he takes away from him all his armor on which he relied and distributes his plunder. When I was a young believer and I read that verse, I thought that was talking about the demonic spirits coming in and, and, and taking a person captive, right? And, and plundering them. But if you look at it in context, Jesus is talking about when him casting out the demons. Mm -hmm. And he's talking about when, when someone stronger than those demonic spirits in a person comes and casts them out, then basically that demon has to has to leave. Okay, and in verse 24 it says, When that unclean spirit goes out of a man, it passes through waterless places seeking rest, not finding any, it says, I will return to my house from which I came. So the nature of the demonic spirits, and when we talk about this, I want you guys not to be freaked out, okay? Because 
what we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about day-to-day things. We are physical beings, essentially. Actually, we are spiritual beings who live in physical bodies. And so what we see of each other, we look around the room and we see these physical bodies. And that's not really who we are. We are the spiritual being inside of that body. And as such, we, every, every single day at every moment, we are, we are, um, we are connecting or we are, we are brushing up against, we're passing, we're some, we're interacting, interacting with spirits, right? right? Because even the world that we live in all around us, this is a spiritual realm and there are spiritual forces around us. Okay. And so that is our reality. We think that our reality is these bodies. We think our reality is the physical world and all the things that we can see, smell, taste, and touch. But that's, that's, that's actually, in some ways, it's kind of like that movie, The Matrix. In some ways, those are, are a false reality, okay? Those are just the things that we see and experience. And the thing about being believers is the more, the deeper that we go into God, the more we begin to live in that spirit life, and the spirit life becomes, begins to be more and more real to us. And the things of this world, like the, the, like the song says, they go strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Okay, and so in verse 25, it says, when that demon comes back, it finds that house swept and put in order. So here's a house that's been cleansed, right? Here's a house that, that had demonic spirits in it, and it's been cleansed. Jesus has cast them out. Now this house is cleaned, and it's put in order, okay? In verse 30, 26, it says, but then it goes and takes along seven other spirits more evil than itself, and they go in and live there, and the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. Um, so, again, and, and that's the problem with many of us believers, and I think that that is the problem with, with religion. What religion does is we come to Jesus, we go, we go to church, we say the sinner's prayer, we, we do religious things, and what we do is we try to clean the outside of the cup, right? We try to clean the outward appearance, we try to, we, we stop partying, we stop getting drunk on the weekends, we stop um, getting high, we stop doing all these overt things that we know are wrong and stuff, and instead of filling our house with, with uh what happens is our house is clean, but it's empty. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And because of the fact that it's empty, if it's not, if you are not, we are being filled with spirits, right? We're being filled with the Holy Spirit or we're filled with unclean spirits. And a lot of it is, you know, we've all heard the analogy that within you there are two, two dogs, right? There's the black dog and the white dog and whichever one you feed is going to be the strong one, Right? And that's the way that we are. God has meant for us to be spirit beings. He has meant for us to be filled with the Spirit. And He wants us to be filled with the Spirit of God. And so, but whatever we give ourselves over to, that's what we're going to be filled with. If we fill ourselves with the Spirit of the world, if, the, if we fill ourselves with worldliness and the things of the world, then we're going to be filled with a worldly spirit. But if we filled ourselves with, like, if we meditate on the Word of God, if we spend time in His presence seeking Him, then we're going to be filled with the Spirit of God. Okay? And so if we don't, then those demons come back in those strongholds seven times greater than, isn't that what it says? Seven yeah. And that's why, that's why so many times we see people like Marvin. We see people that are, that 
are that are seemingly hungry for the Lord. We see people that are repenting from their sins. We see people that are that that are 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 serious and they truly want to follow God. And then you look like a week or two later down the road, and what happened to that guy? Or a year. What happened to that person? And I think in all of our lives, we know someone who at one point they were following God with all their hearts. Mm-hmm. And like you look at them today and, and they're totally lost and they're totally bound in their sins. And in many of those cases, they're worse than they were before. Mm-hmm. And it's because they didn't, they didn't fill their, their hearts with, with the Lord. And that's the way it is. We are in a spiritual battle we, and we don't realize it. Again, we, religion and, and um, just worldly Christianity will say, well, all you got to do is just look like a Christian. All you got to do is stop cussing, um, help old ladies across the street, do nice things and all that and stuff instead of, of it's a relationship. True Christianity is all about getting to know him and filling this house, filling this vessel. It's not about seeing how much I can kind of live in the world, but, you know, kind of get saved and, and go to heaven at the same time. And that's, that's our concept of God is like, well, I want as much of the world as I can get, but I still want to be saved from my sins. And see, that's not even true repentance. True repentance means I want to come to the Lord and I want to receive everything from God that he, he can possibly give me. Okay, um, turn to John 13, verse 3. We're going to kind of run through a bunch of scriptures. John 13, verse 3. And I think the thing is, is, is in, in Christian circles, we get... We get a lot of these conceptions in our mind, right? It's like, it's like we pray the sinner's prayer and we, we you know what I'm saying? We, we put Christianity in this box. We like to put everything in these nice, neat little boxes, boxes and say, this is the way God works. God only works like this. This is, you know, how demons work and stuff like this. This is how the demonic works. And the thing is, is, is we are faced, we, we rush up against the demonic every day, right? Whenever you, when we, and, and Jesus brushed up against the demonic every day. And that's, again, the world that we live in, the way that God has designed the church is we are to be light. We are to be a people of light. We are to be a people of his spirit. And wherever we go, we're supposed to take that spirit with us. And it's supposed to drive out the darkness. That's the purpose of the church, right? And in John 13, verse uh, 3, this is talk, we've all read about this. This is when Jesus washes the disciples' feet. It says, Jesus, knowing that his Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come forth from God and was going back to God, got up from supper and laid aside his garments, bless you, and taking a towel, he girded himself. Then he poured water into the basin and began to, wipe, began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. So he came to Simon Peter and he said to him, Lord, do, not, do you wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, what I, do not, what I do, you do not realize now, but you will understand hereafter. And Peter said to him, Never shall you wash my feet. And Jesus answered, If I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And then, you know, Peter's like us, right? God's trying to do something in his heart, and he's fighting against him and stuff. And a lot of times God's trying to do things in our heart, and the harder he's trying to do it, the harder we fight against him and stuff. 
And in verse uh, verse 9, Simon Peter said, Lord, then wash not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Look at this in verse 10. Jesus said to him, he who has bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. And so the thing is, is Jesus saying, you're clean. And so when we come to the Lord and, and, we, and the Lord comes into our hearts and begins to wash away our impurities, he cleanses us. But the problem is, is when we walk through the world um, and we walk and we experience temptations and we experience the things of the world, we tend to get dirty, right? right. It's like you can't. Uh, I mean, that's that was the whole thing about foot washing back in those days. In those days, they didn't have paved roads like we did. They had dirt roads and they wore sandals. So everywhere they went and they walked everywhere, their feet got dirty. And so Jesus is using this as an analogy. And he's saying, you're clean, but walking through this world, you're going to attract dirt. You're going to attract filth. And that's something that has to be washed clean of you. And so we as believers, when we walk through the world, I mean, Jesus has made us clean. He's forgiven us of our sins. He's washed us and things. But walking through the world, we still get dirty. And there's times that we have to come before the Lord and allow him to cleanse us again, right? We have to come to him and let him wash our feet. Let him wash the things off of us that we uh, walk through and uh, I mean just in to bring it down to home to where you know uh, to make this practical it's like when you're at work and someone makes you mad right and you and your thoughts against them are, are obviously not Christian thoughts you know it's when you're walking through the world and you have thoughts of lust when you're walking through the world and and you want uh, you know whatever it is there's so many things when when we gossip when we when we backbite people when we think negative thoughts about people all these things are things that we need to humble ourselves and come to the Lord and say Lord I need you to come and wash this off of me yeah all right and that's something that you know that's something that we need to do on a daily basis. Jesus when he taught these when he taught his disciples to pray, he said, "Lord, forgive us our debts as we forgive others their debts." And so he said, part of your prayer, part of our prayer when we come to the Lord, we have to be mindful of the things of the dirt and the junk that we've picked up and say, "Lord, cleanse me from these things." Because here's the thing. Sin uh you know, it's like every sin that we do, the first time you do sin, it's, it's difficult, right? Okay, the first time that you, you sneak out of your house, you know, and, and don't get caught by your parents, it's really hard because you're like, you feel convicted and you feel guilty and you're like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this, right? Or the first time, like, you steal money from somebody or whatever it is. Anytime, the first time that you sin against somebody, it's the first time that you do it, it's difficult. But the more you do that, the easier it becomes. And that's the nature of sin. If we don't allow the Lord to cleanse us from these small things, the Bible says, catch the little foxes, because it's the little foxes that destroy the vine. And so if we let things go and we don't deal with things, they begin to uh, try to latch onto us and they begin to become a part of us. It's like barnacles on a ship. Ships attract barnacles on the bottom of them. Now, at first, that's not a problem. But the more, those, the more, uh, if you don't address those barnacles, after a while, they keep gathering and they keep gathering, and they can sink a ship. And so, part if you own a ship, part of that, uh, part of the ownership of that ship is every once in a while you got to scrape the barnacles off the ship, right? Same with us. Yeah, Turn to Ephesians chapter four. Talk about the ants. Ants? Yeah, I've been killing. I have been having a war with fire ants these this whole week. Um, but God's like, doing it. God's allowing it to teach us. Something. Yeah, because the thing is, is I don't. You guys, 
if if you have your own property or whatever, or even if you don't, um, like we got like four or five different fire ant beds like springing up in our yard and stuff. And so I'll like, I'll go and I'll, I'll kill these fire ants because you'll be walking out in the yard, minding your own business. And all of a sudden you got these swarm of fire ants and they're like trying to murder you and they're trying to kill you. And they're like swarming on you and they biting you. And you're like, dude, I'm just walking through my yard and stuff. And that's the way it is. We have our yards, we have our possessions and God wants us to possess these bodies, these temples, these houses that he's given us. He wants us to cleanse and purify these houses. And if we don't, fire ants begin to move in. If you don't deal with those fire ants, they begin other fire ants, right? It's like cockroaches. It's like cockroaches. Cockroaches live in the dark, right? Uh, if you see one cockroach, guaranteed you got hundreds of other cockroaches living in your house. And if you don't deal with those cockroaches, they begin to multiply and okay, stuff. So like, oh no. <laughs> no, I just wanted to have a little thought. Uh, just like, I think uh, maybe it also had something to do with last night. Just like exposing the darkness in your heart and like mm-hmm. light. Mm-hmm. And so... Mm-hmm. I guess just when you turn on the lights, roaches scatter, right? Uh-huh. So they, so for example, just using roaches as an example, they love the darkness, and they usually won't find them in the light. They also come when there's food. So whatever we feed mm-hmm. is going to keep coming. But if, if we don't feed them, they'll stay away. If we keep the lights on, they'll stay away. So we need to keep the light in our hearts on, and we need mm-hmm. to keep feeding. Not the bad dog, but the good dog, so that you know what I'm saying. So it's really cool, and the Lord has been teaching us a lot about the spiritual things just for these ants we're dealing with like every day. And the thing is, is if you see one mound and you go out and kill it, then then you're okay, right? But like we got four mounds now, and it's like so now I'm battling every one of them, and you you like what I've been doing is I've been pouring pouring boiling water on them and stuff. And so, like, I kill this mound, and then I, I see, like, 10 feet over in the grass, they've built two more mounds and stuff. And so, and that's the nature of sin. If you address it, if you take care of it, it it's like with everything. God has built that into nature, yeah. and, that, and it's maintenance. If you, if you maintain things, it's like your car. If you maintain it, it will last. Yeah. If you let things go, it starts to fall apart, right? Right. Um, if you allow certain things and you're like, well, this is no big deal or this is my little pet sin and, you know, it's not a big deal. It's just a tiny little sin. I'm just going to kind of pet it and I'm going to keep it small. I'm not going to really feed it a lot. It's But it's a tiny sin. It's not a big sin. And turn, sooner or later, you turn around and now you've got this monster living in your closet. Right. Right? Right. And that's the nature of it. If we take sin for granted, if we take... Um, darkness for granted it will grow and all then all of a sudden you've got a major issue on your hands and now something that was once something easy to take care of and something easy to kill and destroy now it's something huge and you're going to have to fight it okay uh in ephesians 4 verse 17 paul says So this I say and affirm together with the Lord that you walk no longer just as the Gentiles also walk in the futility of their mind. Now, let me remind you, everything that Paul has written in this Bible, nothing in this Bible is written to unbelievers. Everything in this Bible is written to Christians. Everything is written to unbelievers. Or, I mean, everything is written to believers. 
And Paul is saying to these Ephesian Christians, he says, So this I say and affirm together with the Lord, that you believers walk no longer just as the Gentiles or unbelievers also walk in the futility of their minds, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. But you did not learn Christ in this way, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him just as truth is in Jesus. That in reference to your former manner of life, and again, true Christianity doesn't say you can live in your sins and you can, you can practice sin and still follow God. You can live any way you want to live and God's going to punch your ticket and you're going to be able to slide into heaven. That's not what the Bible teaches, and that's not true Christianity. He says in verse 22 that in reference to your former manner of life, before you got saved, you lay aside the old self which is being corrupted in accordance with the lusts of deceit, and that you be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and you put on the new self which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Therefore, laying aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with his neighbor, for we're members of one another. Uh, one another. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Look at this in verse 27. And do not give the devil an opportunity. You see that? And that word opportunity in the Greek means a place of occupation. And here's the thing. Whenever, whenever we practice sin, uh, I'm a, there's teaching... There's lots of teaching in the body of Christ. Well, demon, demonic spirits have no influence over Christians. Demonic spirits can't touch believers. And, you know, once you've come to Jesus, you know, you're, you're now full of the Holy Spirit. I think that, that if we look at ourselves, we know that that's not true. Because we, each single one of us, are compartmentalized beings, right? And just like, if you think of it at like the house metaphor... In every house, you have rooms, right? And the way we are as believers, when we come to the Lord, uh, for the most part, we open up every door and we say, Lord, I want you to come into this room. I want you to make yourself at home. I want you to be comfortable in this room, right? But for a lot of us, I, th I would say most of us, maybe all of us have like, okay, we got this one little room off to the side that we keep locked, and we don't let no one know what's in this room. And we kind of keep this room for ourselves, right? And this room is guarded and this room is, is protected. Nobody knows about this room. This is a secret little room that just, that just I know about. And, and that's the thing is, is a lot of us, we have these things. And God, God says, okay, when you come to me, I want you to give me all of your heart. And we like, okay, Lord, I give you all of my heart. But if we're being honest for... for for probably all of us, there's this one little part of our heart that we don't really want to give up, right? There's this one little thing that we, you know, we like to keep to ourselves. And so what's happening is in this instance, in this spot, in this room, you have given the devil a place of opportunity. Occupation. A place of occupation. This room, your house may belong to God. And most nine-tenths of the rooms in that house belong to God. But as long as you are holding this to yourself, this belongs to Satan. Right? Because when we come to the Lord, true repentance is saying, Lord, I give you everything. 
I give you all of it. I give you 100%. And I honestly, some of these worship songs that we sing, Lord, I give you everything. I give you all, my all, and my... Sometimes I'm really kind of scared to sing those things. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm, I don't want to sing that because I know that there's things in me that I'm kind of holding on to, yeah. right? And I pray, God, make me, bring me to the point to where I want to surrender this. Bring me to that point because if we're being honest, we know that there's that part of us. And to whatever extent, and I don't care what the doctrine says, I don't care what we've been taught by people um, that... Because there is so much doctrine, there's so much teaching that, that, that wants to make us feel um, secure, that wants to make us feel um, okay, that wants to take away all of our doubts and all of our whatever and stuff. But the Bible doesn't do that. And God is, from Genesis to Revelation, God is never that way. Even if it makes him look bad, he doesn't care. He will expose whatever it is, even if it's a David, even if it's a, a, a you know, some Moses, even if it's Abraham, if they're sinning, and if, even if it look, makes God look bad, he will expose that. Because he's like, the main thing with God is he wants our hearts, and he wants those deep things into us. And the more that we give that up to him, the more we come into that relationship with him. And that's what it's all about. Is that's where we find the intimacy with him. And that's where it's no longer religion. It's no longer church. It's no longer me doing my good works and, you know, and all this. It's me now. I know the Lord of creation. I know the God of creation, and I have fellowship with him. We were talking about Moses this morning. Moses went and spent 40 days and 40 nights on the mountain when he came with God. When he came down from there, his face shone with the glory of God. He didn't even realize it. But the people could see that there was something on him that, that, that reflected God. And I, I think about that. Moses spent 40 days and 40 nights with God. We can't spend 40 minutes with God. We, we, I mean, I don't know about you, but so many times I get down to pray and to seek the Lord. And it's like uh, my thoughts are here and there and all over the place. And then we wonder, why do we not have this communion with God that the Bible talks about? Because I don't know about your experience, but I look at the, the experience of the people in the Word of God, and I'm like, my experience is not like that. And so it comes down to two things. Okay, the fault is either with God or the fault is with me. Now, I know the fault's not with God because God doesn't have any faults. So whose fault is it? It's my fault. And that's the thing, to the extent that we don't want to let God in those rooms, we are shielding and we are, we are saying, I don't want that intimacy. I don't want, uh, I don't want that closeness with you, Lord. I want, to, I want to kind of keep you out of that and stuff. And so that's why, you know, and... Kind of what Jeremy was saying last night, too, about, um, you know, we want God to move and we want to see God do miracles and work power and all this other stuff, but we, we n don't realize there's a cost to that and we don't want to pay the price for that. That's exactly right. And we the price is, is that we die to ourselves. Yeah. 
and we die we die to all those things and and that's the thing and and that is the church today is that we are a church that's seeker friendly we're a church that doesn't want to lay down our desires we don't want to lay down the things that God has called us to lay down we want to have our religion and have, you know we want to keep our sins and have God too on the side we want to be world we want to be caught up in the things of this world 24/7 the world the world the world the world all the things about the world and we spend 5 minutes in the word or 5 minutes in prayer and stuff and then we wonder why is there no change in my life why Jesus whenever Jesus would come near a demonized person that demon would start screaming out we know who you are you're the Lord the demons knew who he was when Paul the, you guys know the story of the seven sons of Siva they said we they 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 saw a man who was demon possessed and they say by by the uh, by the spirit that lives in Paul and the spirit that lives in Jesus we adjure you to come out of that man it says those those demons that were in that man, they said, we know Paul and we know Jesus, but we don't know you. And it says those demons came out and, and stripped those the seven sons of Siva. It says they stripped them and beat them and sent them home naked. And I fear that we as a church, we as believers, I fear that we, that, that that's how the powers of darkness look at us. And when we, and again, when we pray over people, when, when we lay hands on people and they, and I'm not saying that, like you read the Bible, even Jesus didn't heal everybody. And he didn't, and there were some people like even in his own town, he said he couldn't do miracles there because of people's unbelief. So it's not like something that happens every time. But I know so many times I pray for people and it's like, I don't feel like, I, I don't feel like that. And I know it's not about our feelings and, and stuff, but I, I don't really feel like it's happening, you know? And I don't see it happening. And God, we are not any different from the first century disciples. We are no different in what God has called us to be and what God desires for his church to be. And the reason why we are not there is because we're so satisfied with so little. Amen. We get little dribbles, little raindrops from God, and we're like, wow, revival, you know? We get these little touches, these little things, and we're so happy with those things. And we think we pat ourselves on the back, and and we think we're these mighty apostles and prophets, and 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 we haven't even scratched the surface of what God desires for His church, and He desires for this world. This world is lost. This world is in darkness. This world is broken beyond any other remedy than the Spirit of God coming down. Amen. And in First John. Turn to first John verse one or chapter one. So if if you read the news, if you look at the things that are going on in our, in our world today, this world is insane. Our world is 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 overrun by the demonic. What was once good is now bad. What was once uh, pure is now evil. Light is dark. Dark is, uh, is light. And everything's upside down. And it's because, again, the church is giving up ground to the enemy. And the enemy is running rampant through the world these days. The enemy has this generation bound to its lusts, to its sins, to its worldliness, to... To everything that's ungodly, that's what we worship. Again, man 
tries to build a tower into heaven. Man tries to tries to, by his own achievement, reach perfection, right? Whether it's through the arts, whether it's through music, whether it's through um, through knowledge, information, wisdom, whatever it is. We, we, and that's what man is doing right now. We're, we're doing all these, um, all these uh, breakthroughs in science and technology and the internet and, and things and stocks and bonds. And, and we think all this stuff is we're building these towers into heaven, but it's without God. And again, we are in this place where, where mankind is speaking the same language, and it's a language of worldliness. It's a language of live your life, be happy, be merry, um, live for the things of this world, live for today, don't worry about tomorrow, live for yourself, don't care about nobody else. Uh, maybe do something nice here and there, but for the most part, look out for number one. It's all about me. It's all about my attaining to perfection. It's all about my attaining to this perfect job, this perfect uh, wife, this perfect marriage, this perfect whatever it is. And it's backwards. Because God designed it to where our ultimate perfection, our ultimate, our ultimate um, desire be found in Him. And that's, that's where we as a church are missing it. And then 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. says, This is a message we have heard from him and announced to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, again, when we walk in the light, it chases the cockroaches out. It says, if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we're deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So God is very willing to come and cleanse our houses. He is very willing to drive out the demonic spirits and stuff. But the thing is, is again, it takes a renunciation. It takes a, it's, and that's why people get bound in their stuff again because they don't want to give it up, and that's that's why that's why we're addicted to things, right? It's not that God can't break those addictions, and that's you know it's just like the parable of the sower. Immediately after that sow that seed was sown, it says the demonic spirits come and try to steal that word. And that's exactly what happens, and I've seen it happen so many times. People get saved, and they get on fire for the Lord, and you think, man, this person's going to just fly and stuff. And then, like a month later, they're back on their drugs, or they're back in their sex, or they're back in their whatever it is and stuff. And because they weren't willing to truly give it up, they still had that room in their hearts that they weren't going to let the Lord into. And again, it's not the Lord's fault. It's not God's fault if if Marvin doesn't stick. God God deal God is God so loved the world that he wants to save everyone. Yes. And he will do it. But again, he is not going to take away our choices. He is not going to take our way. He's not going to take away our will. We can have what we want. We can have as much of God as we want, or we can have as much as the world of the world as we want. It's up to us. Yeah. What are we feeding ourselves? What is our desires? And if our desires are not right, 
We need to seek the Lord and say, God, change my desires. Change my hearts. I pray so many times some of the things that I'm bound with. It's like, Lord, I love that thing. And part of the problem is, is I think that we're taught a lot of times in churches that, you know, it, you know that's not really you, you know. Um, the problem is, is we love sin. Why do we sin? Because we love to sin. Because God can set us free from whatever it is. Again, it's just that we don't want to give those things up. Um, 1 John 3, verse 1. And see, that's the gospel. These are, flip, these are the two coins. These are the two-sided coin of the gospel. God wants to do it. God longs to do it. God wants to set a people free. He, he desires, it is his heart when he set his son to have a bride that would be beautiful and glorious and without spot or wrinkle. And we are in a generation where, and I think, honestly, a, a lot of it's because of the teachings that we've been taught. It's okay, you know, just, just do your best and God's going to forgive you, you know, grace, mercy, grace, mercy, grace, mercy, grace, 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 and stuff. And, you know, if you sin again, he's going to forgive you again. Don't worry about it. It's all good. He's got you covered. You know, and we talk about being sinned. Well, what are we saved? You know, we talk about Jesus saving us. Well, what has he saved us from? Right? To be saved from something means to be delivered from something. It means that, that he, like if you're saved, if you're on a volcano and the volcano's overflowing and it's going to flow and the, the molten lava is going uh, to swallow you up and you're going to die and a helicopter comes in and saves you, you're no longer on that volcano. <laughs> right? And so we have a church that still is living on the volcano. And we're saying, but Jesus has saved me, you know, and he's going to forgive me. And he's, he's full of grace and he's full of mercy. He is full of grace and he is full of mercy for those who are truly seeking to follow him. His forgiveness is, is, is there for those who fall, who stumble, right? His forgiveness, uh, it, the grace, grace of God is not there for people who practice and walk in willful, known, stubborn sin, who have no desires for repenting at all. And again, if, we, if there's any desire in our hearts that we truly, that we're sorry and that we want to be saved, even if we're struggling with those things, he has mercy on us, right? But it's for the people that are, that are just playing the church game and doing the church thing. In verse 1, it says, See how great a love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God, and such we are. For this reason, the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when He appears, we will be like Him, because we will see Him just as He is. Look at this in verse 3. Everyone who has this hope fixed on Him purifies himself, just as He is pure. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. And again, that's that word practice. There's a difference between someone who stumbles, who falls into sin, who falls into temptation, who is tr truly trying to follow the Lord and they fall into sin, than someone who just practices it and doesn't care. You know, again, it's the person that, that sins and just prays for forgiveness, sins and prays for forgiveness. And again, sometimes there are strongholds in our lives. Um, 
strongholds get built over time, right? Over years. And a lot of that is habits and, and things like that. And so there are things sometimes that are deep rooted in our hearts. And God knows the things that we're dealing with. He knows when we're sincere and we're truly trying to, de trying to deal with those things. Again, I'm talking about just the person who is not trying to deal with those things, who doesn't want to change. I grew up with friends that, that, <laughs> they partied all the time and I, I used to tell them dude if we died right now we would go to hell and they're like no man because you know what I prayed the prayer and stuff and all I know is if you pray the prayer you're, you're in your ticket's punched you're good to go doesn't matter what you do after that you pray that prayer you're, you're, you're good with God and so they had no desire to change no desire whatsoever and I I, and I I didn't really have much desire either, but I knew that what we were doing is wrong. So, um, verse 5, it says, You know that Jesus appeared, look at this, in order to take away sins. And in him there is no, no sin. No one who is abiding in him sins or continues to sin or practices sin. No one who is sinning has seen him or knows him. Little children, make sure that no one deceives you. The one who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. The one who practices sin is of the devil. For, look at this. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose in, for this purpose to destroy the works of the devil. What are the works of the devil in context? It's sin, right? So, and again, I'm not trying to like say this harsh thing, but... Again, my point is, is that whenever we walk into the, and again, it's something that we all do. We, we do things that we know we're not supposed to do. And, but the, the problem was that with that is when we do that, it creates calluses on our hearts. And the more we, the more we allow sin, the more we give room to sin, it begins to make a place of occupation in our hearts. And that's when strongholds begin to be built up. And again, it's, it's one thing to deal with a tiny little sin. It's one thing to catch the little fox. But when it becomes a stronghold, then you got major issues, right? And so my whole thing is that God wants us to deal with those things before they become strongholds. And the point of, of what we just read is that, again, people, people are always like, well, Christians can't be, you know, can't have demons and stuff like that. And I'm not talking about possession. I, you know, I don't care what the terms are. I'm not talking about possession and saying that Christians can be possessed or whatever. All I'm saying is that we just read that sin is from the devil. And so when we're practicing, practicing sin, when we're allowing sin in our hearts, to some extent, we're allowing the devil occupation in our hearts right? Yeah. And we're allowing Satan to come into those rooms that are reserved for the Lord yeah. and stuff. And so my whole thing is that I'm just trying to get us to see that this is what sin is. This is what sin does. Sin allows the powers of darkness to have sway. Yeah. And what, and, and you know, and that's, that's Satan's greatest goal is to get Christians to sin, right? Because when a believer sins, what it, 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 it dishonors the Lord, right? It's one thing for sinners to sin. Sinners sin. That's what sinners do. Sinners belong to Satan. But believers, we are supposed to belong to the Lord and live a different way. And, and so, yeah, so Satan's biggest thing is to try to get us to sin and to dishonor God. Um, turn to 1 Corinthians 10. 
it's a, like it's an appropriate time. I want to share my testimony. I shared with you this morning. You can. Oh, yeah, I mean, I want to just whenever. Huh? Uh-huh. First Corinthians ten. Uh huh. What verse? Okay, one. What verse? Verse one. Verse one. He says. Uh, He says, For I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, that our fathers, he's talking about the Old Testament Israelites, he says, Our fathers were, were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea. Think about what he's saying. In verse 2 he says, They were all baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, and they all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink, for they were drinking from a spiritual rock which followed them, and that rock was Christ. Nevertheless with, most, nevertheless, with most of them, God was not well pleased, for they were laid low in the wilderness. Look at this in verse 6. He says, Now these things happened as examples for us, so that we would not crave evil things as they also craved. Do not be idolaters as some of them were, as is written, the people sat down to eat and to drink and stood up to play. Nor let us act immorally as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in one day. Nor let us try the Lord as some of them did, and were destroyed by the serpents. Nor grumble as some of them did, and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now these things happened to them as an example, and they were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Therefore let him who thinks he stand take, fee take heed that he does not fall. Look at this in verse 13. He says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such is his common demand, and God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation will provide the way of escape also, so that you will be able to endure it. So I think that's pretty awesome. That's the verse I read tomorrow. Yeah, that was yeah. the thing that you read that and, tomorrow. And that's the thing. In every situation, every time we're tempted with sin, God always provides a way of escape. Always, always, always. Sometimes that way is hard for us to see, but it's always there. And sometimes it happens in easy, it happens in obvious ways. If you're an alcoholic, don't go to the bar, right? If you've got porn problems, don't be on your computer by yourself at 2 o'clock in the morning and stuff. These are all what God has given us practical things, but... What happens is when we're in the moment, when we're in the temptation, we don't want to see those things sometimes, right? Um, if, if, you, if God has delivered you from drugs, don't hang out with the guys that you used to party with. These are the ways of escape that God has given us, and it's called common sense. In other words, don't put yourself in a place. If you're young people and you're dating, don't be in a car alone after midnight, right? It's just common sense, right? These things, God, God has given us wisdom. He's given us his Holy Spirit to teach us and to guide us. But again, sometimes we're like, God's like, okay, I've got, here's the way of escape. And you're like, where, Lord? I don't see nothing. And we, got, we put blinders on so we can't see, you know. But the way of escape is always there. And again, this is God's mercy. This is God's grace. And there will always be a way of escape. And, and so, and, you know, it just takes us crying out to him sometimes to see that way. We were talking about that this morning too, and um, and I was sharing with him a dream the Lord gave me about that. And um, it's really cool. Like I was raised a Baptist, and um, 
when I became a Christian, I didn't know a lot about um, spiritual warfare, and I still am learning. But the Lord, I asked the Lord to teach me, and He taught me through His Word. But to be honest, He taught me a lot through dreams. And over the years, He's given me a lot of lot of dreams, um, teaching me about spiritual warfare and how to take authority over demonic spirits and stuff. And it's pretty fascinating. And I could I could share with you like at least twenty dreams, but I'll just share a couple. But the one that uh, one of the ones He shared, and Dean said that this morning was um, like. Uh, he showed me a picture of a house, and a lot of times when God teaches me about demonic possession and things like that, he shows it to me in, in the form of a house, which is really cool because that's scriptural, like our bodies are a house. And in this house, it was my house, and it was totally chaos, and someone had come in and broken into our house and was stealing things. And we kept trying to like figure out, because he kept coming back and stealing again, and coming back and stealing again. And in the dream, I'm like, we were both just kind of like, where is he? How is he getting in? We've locked the doors. We've put bars on them, mm -hmm. everything. Like, how is he getting in here? And finally, we discovered a small window in the bathroom and that it was open, and that's where he had been crawling in and getting in the house. And then, so it was just a simple fact, a matter of just locking that window, and he didn't come back, and he didn't steal. And um, I was sharing that dream with Dean, and he was just like, that was where the window of escape was, is like where, what were you saying, like that was the opportunity that God was giving to shut the window, to lock the window, yeah. and um, and sometimes we have to figure out, what, we have to actually look at our hearts and say, why am I struggling if it's lust, for example, why am I struggling with lust, why, why every time I drive down the street all I can see is women's bodies or men's bodies or whatever, what, what's causing that, well what, maybe there's a window that you've got open that you don't realize is there. Maybe it's it's a quote unquote innocent TV show that you watch every week, and there's some something in that that's maybe drawing you out, out to lust. I'm not saying that all TV is bad. That's not what I'm saying. But in your particular case, in your particular heart, there might be a window that maybe it's a window for you for the de demonic stuff to come in, and maybe it's not a window for someone else. What may be a weakness for you may not be a weakness for somebody else. So. Just because Sister Susie can watch such and such doesn't mean that you can. Maybe that's a place of weakness for you, and you need to lay that aside. And so um, sometimes I think we just aren't really aware of how the enemy is coming in and stealing from us spiritually. And we just need to pray and ask God, Lord, where is this demonic presence coming from? It might be that you're struggling with fear, and fear is a sin. Anxiety is a sin. Worry is a sin. If you struggle with worry and anxiety, where is it coming from? Ask the Lord. Say, Lord, show me where this is coming from. And um, and then dealing with it and shutting that window and keeping the enemy out. And then the other dream I wanted to share was um, so cool when Dean and I were on our walk because we were talking about this. And Dean was just like pretty much preaching this whole message to me, not in a preachy way, but just sharing all this. And I was like, wow, I was just learning so much because... It reminded me of a dream that I had about 10 years ago that um, I haven't thought about in so long, and it was like almost exactly with what he was saying. So in the dream, um, and, and after I woke up, I said, Lord, what was that about? He goes, that was about demonic activity. I'm trying to teach you something. So I, I know what it was about. And when Dean was talking about it, it's like in the dream, I walk inside my house, and, and as soon as I walk in the house, I, I sense all this darkness. And, and then, so I turn on the light, like darkness, like spirits, moving around, like evil spirits. 
And when I turn on the light, all of a sudden all these roaches scatter and they go and hide and they hide everywhere. And then I, I turn the light off again and all of a sudden this evil presence is there again. And um, I turn the light on and then the roaches scatter and they all hide. It's like, whoa. And so that was like with what you were saying, Kayla, with the light. You know, where there is the light of God, demons scatter, darkness scatters, right? And I was like, whoa, that's so amazing. And then um, when Dean started talking about places of your heart where you, rooms of your heart where you give occupation, I was like, whoa, that's like my dream. Same dream. I start walking through the house, um, and there's all these different bedrooms and rooms. And, like, I would open the door to each room, and on one of these doors I open, and I'm like, whoa, who are you? And these, these guys go, oh, we live here. I'm like, mm, no, you don't. <laughs> and they're like, no, we do. This is our house. And I was like, mm, no, it's not. This is my house, and I don't know you, and you need to leave. And they're like, oh, no, no, this is our house. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's my house, and you need to leave. And so I shut the door. They don't leave. I'm kind of walking around. I'm realizing they're not really leaving. I've really got to take authority over this. And so I go back and I go, I told you to leave and I told you to leave now. Pack your bags and get out of my house. And so they leave. And I have to, yeah. I have to literally do that in every room of my house. There's these people that are taking up occupation in my home that don't belong there. And so eventually I get rid of all of them by taking authority over the situation, not allowing them to stay not believing their lies that this is their place, because it's not. And eventually my house is totally free of roaches and strange people. And so I'm, <laughs> I'm standing outside and looking at my house, and there's this peace that comes over me, and the Lord just says, you just cleanse the house. And so um, anyway, I just thought that was really cool in light of all the things he was sharing this morning. So, and, so and, that, you know, and that's the thing, again, it's not to freak us out or anything like that. I'm just saying that we are spiritual beings and um, like it or not, um, we're, we're vessels, right? And we're going to be filled with something. We're going to be filled with either God's spirit or the spirit of the world, you know. And, uh, um, and we, we as believers, we, we want to be close to God. We want... we and. I mean, and and the thing is, is it's not just to be like have a holy club and like we're the holy ones and everyone else is unclean and that's not the purpose. That's the goal is to become holy so that we can carry the presence of God and we can have an impact. We can have an effect in the world, and 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 that's what I want to see with myself. That's I mean, it's just like with Marvin last time. It's like we were having an effect on him because the Holy Spirit was moving through us. Just the fact that just that whole thing was a God thing. Yeah. And that's the thing. The the more we get filled with the Spirit of God, the more that stuff will happen all the time. Yeah. You know, and it it, it will it will become commonplace. It's like yeah. you know, you read it in the Bible with the apostles. It was just it was just a part of their lives and stuff. And I know me, there's a lot of times when I will go through, I'll be living my life, and it's like nothing's happening, you know? Nothing, it's like, um, it just doesn't seem like anything's going on and stuff. But you start getting closer to the Lord, and you start 
Lord, fill me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill me with more of you. Take out all this junk. Cleanse and purify my heart. Take the things out of me that I still love. Make me hate those things. Make Take away my love. Take away from my desire for those things. And the more we begin to do that, the more we begin to spend time in his presence and in his word and, and being filled with his Holy Spirit, then things start happening. You start coming across the Marvins. Um, some of the people that you meet at work will open up to you and, and things and 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 it won't be you trying to force it to happen it will be just like when jesus walked by the demonic person and the demon spirit said you we know who you are because again we are we are in a spiritual world and <clears throat> if we're filled with the spirit of god it's going to affect it, it can't help but affect the people around us it can't help but affect the world around us and um and so that's, my whole thing is, is is that God is longing for a people to walk. I, again, so so many times we're like, God, why is nothing happening? Why is why is the church so powerless? Why am I as a believer so powerless? Why why don't I seem to have anything really happening and things? And, and again, it's not to glorify ourselves or to make us look good or anything like that. It's But the, the thing is, is because um, we're, the more, again, it, it, the more we get filled with His Spirit, it will happen. And God will, will touch people through our lives and, and use us to touch the world. And, and uh, I like what you said this morning to me, too, about um, my house will be a house of prayer. Because Jesus said that, but now we are His house. Now. And so um, in our house, in our bodies, in these vessels, we must be a people of prayer. Mm -hmm. And when we are that then these are the natural fruits and outflow yeah. of that. And even that whole thing, I mean, when it talks about Jesus going into the temple and, and it says he was casting out the money changers and the people that were selling uh, the sacrifices and stuff. Both of those things were things that God had instituted. So those weren't bad things in and of themselves. As a matter of fact, they were good things. Right? But the thing is, is that had taken the place... It, what Jesus was doing is he was bringing them back to the foundation, to the basics and saying, my house is not about worship. My house is not about sacrifices. My house is not about doing all these religious things first and foremost. First and foremost, my house is a house of prayer. My house is, and my people are to be a people who walk in fellowship, in relationship with him. Jesus, when Jesus came, it was a restoration of the Garden of Eden where Adam had that fellowship with the Lord and he walked with the Lord every day and he walked in the communion with God and they knew each other face to face. When Jesus came, uh, at, when Adam sinned, he lost all of that. When Jesus came and he was the second Adam, he was making a way to restore that back to man. And so he, what he did is he made a way for us to have that kind of fellowship with God. And the, problem, and the thing is, is why don't we have that fellowship with God? Because if you bring it back, if you bring it to square one, it's because we don't want that. We want to sell our doves and our, our lambs. We want, to, we want to change money. We want to provide money for the sacrifices. We want to do these religious things, but we don't want to be that people of prayer. We don't want to be that people of communion with the Lord.
And again, that's what Christianity is. It's not these other things. And we, we so easily get sidetracked. We so easily think that, well, if I just do my religious things, he's going to be pleased with me and I'll be in good and stuff. And so um, I just, I, I know that the Lord is wanting a people that are all about him and not about the program, not about the, the, uh, and all those things are good. None of those things are bad. But it's all about, again, Psalm 27. Who can ascend to the hill of the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Right? But we don't cleanse. We don't have clean hands and a pure heart just to say, hey, look at me. Look how clean I am. We do it so that we can have that communion and fellowship with him. We want these houses to be filled with the Spirit of God. We want these temples to be filled with the Spirit of God. We want the, the glory of God to come in and fill these temples yeah. to where no flesh can glory in His presence. No, yeah. All flesh falls on its face before yeah. Him, and He alone gets the glory. Yeah. And that's, that's, that, glory to come in. that's yeah. what He yeah. Yeah. That's That's the purpose yeah. of the temple. The purpose of the temple is to hold the glory of God. 